Hello all Coffin Bond listeners and welcome back to the podcast. Unfortunately, Mary Henderson is in this week in this week, but God, did we have some fun with her last week. She was amazing and the feedback that we've had has been fantastic. So we will ensure that we're getting more clients. We don't know whether we'll have anyone with her buzz and her, her positivity, uh, but we'll damn, we'll damn well try to find one. Tony, did you enjoy last week? I did, and uh, as I said to you and Mary beforehand, no red cordial before we start talking. Because <laughs> no. Mary and I could, uh, could chat for months without taking a breath. It, it was certainly our longest one, but the feedback has that you know, clients like to hear from other clients and listeners like to hear of some of the amazing people that we're working with. So we'll make sure that we, um, we continue on with those podcasts. But today you're left with just Tony and I, but we want to talk about the psychological psychological price that an entrepreneur pays. Um, a big reason for this topic is a lot of our clients are the SMEs and family-owned businesses, um, and, and we can see the price that they have to pay sometimes. So I have Tony here to talk about it, um, as he has started multiple businesses himself. Um, I've been there since the start. We, or not quite the start, but uh, sorry. We, we, we started the year we, before you were born. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will jump here. I, I, with, with Kofkin Bond, I was sort of the first employee that jumped on after the two partners yep. um, in Tony and Boyana. So, Tony, what is the price? Well, what a lot of people don't see, I suppose, with your family owned businesses, and, you know, as, as you know, Jamie. For 28 years, I've dealt with corporates and family-owned businesses, and you know, so I'm not talking listed companies here. I'm talking uh, privately-owned organisations. Um, and what a lot of people don't understand is entrepreneurs have a certain mindset, and you can really pay the price from a, an emotional uh, and physical. Uh, side as well being an entrepreneur because a lot of people see the big house the nice clothes the nice car but don't necessarily see or felt the actual struggle of getting there um, the struggle sometimes of having to pay school fees or you know paying school fees on a credit card because we'll finally get paid next month and be able to repay that so a lot of people see on the surface and this this can actually bring in a lot of envy um, at times as well um, but I think from what we are seeing in society today there's a lot more work going on with mindfulness and actually men as well in general reaching out for help uh, I've been with the last week I've been with two amazing female entrepreneurs who have sold their business you know multi-million dollar businesses who have sold their businesses and that's been great to see. But I think historically, too, with men, we've found it very difficult to reach out because we always put on those masks um, as well. So I think mindfulness and men being able to reach out has been good. And I think one of the downfalls sometimes of being a male entrepreneur is that we tend not to open up as much as female entrepreneurs do uh, with their circle of friends. Yep. And being an entrepreneur can be very lonely. So we're, we're quite lucky in our industry. We work with 80 other practices. Uh, so we get together at least once a quarter um, and sometimes go away on conferences together and things like that. So we, we have other people to bounce ideas off, but sometimes other entrepreneurs, they don't. They go home to their family and that's it. So they don't have that openness that people to bounce off like employees do within organisations as well. So... 
there's a lot that has to be looked at and the psychological effects can actually be huge on entrepreneurs in general. Yeah, I was I was home on the weekend actually, um, visiting family over um, the Easter period, and it was interesting. I was talking to a few mates who had gone out on their own. Um, they'd made that step, and you know, I guess it's going in and collecting a paycheck per week to you, you have to create the paychecks essentially. Yeah. How's that shift in mindset when you do decide to take that leap? Uh, it's it's a huge shift in mindset. Um, I think in some ways you actually have to be born with it uh, in a lot of ways, and. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, as you know, I love doing a lot of reading, and you know, so not reading novels, but reading uh, stuff. And one of the, or probably the greatest entrepreneur of all time, is a Scotsman by the name of Andrew Carnegie. And uh, Andrew Carnegie is a great story, but you know, there's a great, there's a great YouTube. Uh, well, documentary that's actually on YouTube. It's two hours to watch, but tells the entire story. It wasn't all roses for Andrew. He came from a, you know, uh, his grandfather was, and we're talking in the mid-1800s here, uh, his grandfather was ostracised in the local community because he was a unionised labour uh, man of they should all be paid out and so as an example one of the most beautiful gardens where he lived he wasn't allowed to go to as a kid because his father was so much against wealthy people but he saw the struggle sorry his grandfather was but he saw the struggle in his own father's life of trying to be an entrepreneur trying to do well trying to look after the family and back then they went and did the big thing and that was go to the US as immigrants they already had some family over there who sponsored them over and they thought it was going to be the dream they went to Philadelphia which is a polluted one of the most ugliest polluted cities in all the US at that time beautiful city today (laughs) so but at that time But the story of Andrew Carnegie was he decided at a very young age that he was not going to be poor and he was driven by his mother. His mother did not want him going out and getting a paycheck, but it was to build. So he had great mentors in his life when he was working on the railroads, uh, but he saw opportunities. He saw opportunities with people and he built the most largest entrepreneurial business. I mean, dwarfs the likes of Facebook or Amazon today in respect to its size employed hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people but as a result of his success he did give a lot back but he was also a union buster so based on that um, the unions didn't like him there were lots of strikes and as a result you had a mindset of people who can be second or third generation of I'm going to work I'm getting a paycheck how dare you be so wealthy I want part of your wealth because they're doing that hard manual work, going from that paycheck to that mindset of, to put it bluntly, putting your balls on the line and you know, going into debt before you even make money, uh, going out there, getting, getting money from friends and family to back your ideas, what Jeff Bezos did with Amazon. These people, he went to them and said, there's an 85% chance that I will fail and you will lose your money. But they backed him. And I think that's one of the keys is that you go out there and all of a sudden you could go from a $60,000 paycheck to a $200,000 turnover but only be walking away with 20000 in your pocket because all of a sudden you're responsible for the overheads. 
you know so and in any business i mean we pay i think six or seven grand a year just for our phone systems yeah you know so never mind the rent we have to pay you know your wages you know jamie you cost me an absolute fortune (laughs) (laughs) no but you're worth you're worth every cent of it mate you work double that's right i'm (laughs) I'm doing it for the love here yeah but that was was actually an interesting point that you made um you were talking about that family and friends backed um, backed them in those times and I guess coming from a small local community, the, the town's built on that. Is, is backing local people and, and backing family and friends. But I find there is a shift down here where someone could start a business and, and, and people are going to go trust a bigger brand than trust their friends. Yeah, uh, do you think it's people's obligation to help those people to get further, or do, is it something we should look to support? Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily think it's an obligation, but you know, I've got a friend who's just opened up a optometrist. Uh, shop down in Sandringham and uh, I know her through triathlons and she's gone out and her she's very entrepreneurial as is her husband as well who's owned restaurants um, around Melbourne but they're your typical work hard pay the private school fees uh, put everything on the line make and lose money you know on a daily basis and she's gone out against the likes of the large franchises uh, she hasn't gone and bought an OPSM franchise. She's gone in competition to an OPSM franchise. So she's gone and put it all on the line. Now, if I need a new set of glasses, I should be supporting my friend rather than going to the huge, large OPSM franchise. Why wouldn't I? I trust her. Yeah. So if I trust her, why wouldn't I use her for my next set of glasses? As an example, and I think there is this stigma sometimes in Australia. I don't know about the rest of the world, but there is this stigma of, you know, going and supporting friends. I, I don't understand it. As you said, local communities. In if you make extra money in your business in Myrtleford, you go and sponsor the local footy club and make them win a premiership, yeah, don't you? We're trying, but They've done it once. Yes. <laughs> but even that that conversation is I found even within circles and talking to people within our industry, and the question is, you know, oh, do you have your friends and family involved? Oh no, I'd, you know they don't want to come see me to help with their finances, or no, I, I'd been too embarrassed to ask them. I think even sometimes entrepreneurs have that mindset of, of not wanting to ask yeah. their families and not wanting to look for that support. And I'm going to do it on my own. Absolutely, and and I think that's I think that's one of the biggest drawbacks of being an entrepreneur is it's really lonely. Yeah, it is really really lonely at times. So I mean, we're lucky being in the industry that we're in that we get to you know I, I think I've got the luckiest job in the world. I get to meet new people every day and form friendships over lifetimes. You know, so it's uh, how lucky am I? I get to speak all day about something that I'm knowledgeable on with people who want some of that knowledge and friendships are formed and trust is formed and bonds are formed because we're looking after their financial life. But, you know, if you're... Um, got your own business and employing 30 or 40 people and your job is to make sure they're all busy so you can actually make sure there's money in the bank to pay them and to make sure the mortgage is paid you go home at night and sometimes this is where it can really fall to pieces is that you're not having that conversation with your spouse or your partner because you don't want to burden them with the stresses that you're going through and that's where the physical and mental health issues that entrepreneurs face can actually be quite devastating. Yeah, so I, we've talked about the brutality, I guess, of an entrepreneur and, and the negative, or not the negatives, but I, I guess some of the hard times that they can go through. Actually, and- Jamie, I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Uh, existing clients, 
so I'm not going to mention anything uh, about his business or anything. But, you know, on the surface, everything looks amazing. And it is right now. He's done tremendous amount of work. Uh, he's, he's really built up his business. And, he, you know, he had a... In the last three years, he's had... I, I, I sit on his advisory board. In the last three years, he's had a 1,400% rise in revenue. That sounds outstanding. His revenue last year is $32 million, and it was profitable, very profitable firm now. His 1,400% rise had nothing to do with me sitting on his advisory board, by the way. I'll just no, let you know that. No, no. No, so, so I'm not taking <laughs> any credit whatsoever yeah. there. But what people don't know is just five years ago, he's on the brink of bankruptcy. Yeah. Uh, he was you know, basically down to, I think, the number was like $8 in his bank account, three months behind on his mortgage, having to go to the school and saying, listen, can I pan out the school fees? Because I don't think things are going to get better. Ten employees wondering if they're going to put it off, whether he's going to have to put them off. But he believed in himself. But the thing was is that what people see where he is now, him and his family are now, compared to where him and his wife were just five years ago, is astronomical. His mindset has got him to where he is and his hard work. And yeah, you know what? He was sometimes in there at 3.30 starting work and sometimes he wasn't home and he would sleep on the couch in the office so he could just go and do the stuff that he had to do the next day. But he worked his butt off. But at the same time, he's now getting to reap those rewards what people don't see is the psychological hell that him and his wife went through, but how they hid it from everyone, how they hid it from their children, because they didn't want their children to suffer what they were going through, but they sacrificed what they had to make sure their children got fed at night, to make sure their children got educated. He put everything on the line. He was doing really well, lost everything, has now turned it around, and I can assure you, he'll never actually lose it again. Uh, he, he's an amazing business person, a beautiful human being, and you know, as a result, and he, as a you know, in a wonderful marriage. And I think that's the point: is that you have to have a certain mindset to be able to go through that, and your spouse has to have a certain mindset to be able to support that you know, during through all that period as well. And I think that's that's a story where you know. It's really, really hard to get through. He had to go and ask his mother for financial help. Yep. He had no equity in his house. It's not as if he could take the equity from his house. He's now got that house paid off in five years. Yeah, and they're, they're, but he lives within his means. Yeah, it's not. It's not a ten million dollar Turak mansion. It's a nice, humble house in a really good suburb, but he lives within his means. Yes. No, that's fantastic. And, and those stories are, I think everybody always hears the end story and the end goal. and The Mark Zuckerbergs. Yeah, the and, but, like that, yeah. but the, the process that they went to go through um, to get there. And that's why we, I guess, help a lot of these people. And we've sort of made our, our way in that sort of area because we feel like we can help them. Um, Absolutely. And we, and we feel like we have got great advice in that space. So... Tony, I will wrap things up. Uh, I think everyone's heard enough of us today. Oh, sorry, you do have No, no, I do. I, I actually, I just want to... Just part on a couple of things that I think people need to understand about entrepreneurs and when you're going into business. And I think it's important that you do, as an entrepreneur, reach out because 
basically it's they sometimes entrepreneurs will make themselves resilient by neglecting their own health and we do actually have one of our speakers coming up i think on uh we'll be doing the podcast in the middle of may um and her name is kate thomas and kate thomas runs a business uh called kate l thomas uh mine energy power and i work with kate uh so i'm a client of kate's as well and basically one of the things that she does is that we're not as resilient as what we think we are and if we neglect our mental health our physical health that's when things go backwards. So for me, seeing case is about understanding what my roadblocks are in respect to building the business that we have today and being able to look after the clients. So I've gone and reached out. Uh, Boyana, she's in a course today uh, where she's gone and reached out in respect to helping her build uh, her own growth mindset and everything that we have. So I think it's important for entrepreneurs to understand that they actually can reach out. Because I was just reading this morning... Um, basically entrepreneurs, there's 34% of entrepreneurs uh, stated that they are going through anxiety and 45% of entrepreneurs said they were suffering severe stress at the moment. And that's huge. That's large numbers. That is, and that, that affects your health, that affects your family life, that affects a whole lot of things. But if we're going to talk about something in respect to where we're sort of going is that I think when we actually have a look is that there's, there was a, there's a study that was done in respect to uh, entrepreneurs and one of the things that came out of it is that they're what they call hypermanics, a lot of them are. So a manic, a manic or a manic depressant is basically it's a case of that, you know, a hypermanic, uh, what they, there was a book written, I forgot who it was written by, uh, it was an American book, but it was basically, I think it was called The Hyper, Hypermanic Edge, the link between, in brackets, a little craziness and a lot of success in America. So, And that could actually be put down to Australia as well, where I think that the, the difference is that I heard is the difference between someone who suffers manic versus hypermanic is someone who is manic thinks they're Jesus. Uh, someone who's hypermanic thinks they're God's gift to investing. So they both live in an unrealistic realm. Okay, so I think from the entrepreneur, you have to be that little bit crazy in some ways. But I think from if you have a look at Australia and why do we have so many entrepreneurs here in this country? So you do have a smaller union led workforce nowadays, but you do have a lot of entrepreneurs in all different industries from building to financial services. You know, they don't want to work for the banks um, or the insurance companies. I started with National Mutual, went out my own after two years as an example. So, but I think basically what's happened is that why do we have so many hypermanics or entrepreneurs? I just think in Australia, because, and Mary touched on this last week, it's because our country's national character actually rose on the wave of immigrants. And when you are an immigrant, you actually have a, say in the 60s, you actually have a different mindset. You've packed up like Andrew Carnegie. You've packed up your family, or in his case, he was the kid who was packed up. You've moved to a different country to try and have a, a better life. So what's actually happened with that wave of immigrants that we saw here in the 60s from, say, uh, Western Europe and then in the 70s and uh, late 70s, say, from Vietnam and that as well, 
is that realistically they're a self-selected population and immigrants have this unusual ambition, energy, drive, risk tolerance, which actually lets them take chances of moving for a better opportunity. They've packed up and moved for that better opportunity. And I think that if you think of the immigrants of the 60s, they didn't come here and get social security. They came here and had to work. And they worked and they worked and they worked. And rather than working for the man, as Bob Dylan would say, they've gone out and created their own. And as a result, we now have, which we spoke about in a previous podcast, we now have this intergenerational wealth transfer where the children of immigrants are now starting to reap the millions of dollars from what they, those immigrant families have built. And a classic example is a client who is a new client of ours, Greek father immigrant, uh, three sons now running the business, huge business, doing really successful. And for the father, it was all about supporting the family. Very successful, but they give so much back to the community. They give so much back in charity. They do so much. They all sit on boards. They all add value to the community. And I think that's where the entrepreneurial spirit really has thrived from and I think will move forward is that you have to have a certain degree of I'm going to take the risk to be successful and I'm going to put it all on the line. But what I say to all of our SME clients and and everyone out there who's listening, don't be a loner. Don't be a lone wolf. Go out there, speak to people, get help if needs be, speak to your spouses, learn that communication, have that growth mindset, but that growth mindset as well physically, mentally, and within the business, and you will succeed in every area of your life. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time today, Tony, and we look forward to having everyone next week. Thanks, Jamie.